Good vibrations, take one. You're listening to Good Vibrations, a Beach Boys music program, sponsored by Endless Summer Hi, this is Brian Wilson, and you're listening to Good Vibrations with David Beer. Welcome to episode 25. Today, we take a look back, a 50th anniversary look at the Beach Boys Friends album. We're going to hear some music, not just, we're going to hear some snippets from the Friends album itself, but we're also going to hear a couple of songs that I, a couple of musical pieces that I hope will be kind of nice surprises for you that are kind of pretty rare uh, from Charles Lloyd from 1972, his Waves album. We're going to be including that, but I wanted to get into the Friends album here. <clears throat> and it's all going to make sense, I hope. <laughs> so the Friends album. It came out in June of 1968, a very turbulent time in the United States history. You know, there was the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. There was the assassination, uh, not long after that, of Bobby Kennedy. There was a war going on, war protests. It was a really, I think the right word is turbulent time. And a peaceful stop and smell the roses, as Beach Boys archivist Alan Boyd calls it, a stop and smell the roses album was really not what anybody wanted to listen to. Was it because it was a turbulent time? It's hard to say. But the great thing about recorded events, and this is especially true with any any album you like by any group, but with the Friends album, you can still put it on and listen to it, and if you're in that mood, and I'm hoping you are, from time to time, just to kind of slow down, just to kind of really, really listen. Allow yourself to listen. And by what I, what I mean by that is to just slow down enough that... Th- think of it like Pet Sounds. You, you probably know Pet Sounds pretty well if you don't know the Friends album. Think of it that way, in that it's really pretty music. It's really gorgeous music. It's just the songs aren't about relationships. There's a little bit of that here. But for the most part, it's just about taking it easy and and just noticing everyday things. So I'm going to just give you an idea. Here's the Friends album. I'm going to give you the uh, who wrote what as we, as, before we get started here. I'm going to give you the, the, the co-writers on each track, the length of each song, so you have an idea of this album is u- uniquely short, okay? It's just over 25 minutes. And so here we go. So the Friends album consists, side one is Meant For You, which is 38 seconds long. It's written by Brian and Mike Love. The song Friends, written by Brian, Dennis, Carl Wilson, and Al Jardine. It's two and a half minutes long. Wake the World. (laughs) That's a beautiful song. Written by Brian and Al. It's one minute and 29 seconds long. Way too short. Be Here in the Morning. Another great one. Written by Brian, Dennis, Carl, Mike, and Al. That's two minutes and 17 seconds long. When a Man Needs a Woman. Written by Brian, Dennis, Al, Steve Kortoff, and Jim Parks. Okay, that's two minutes and seven seconds long. And then Passing By, which is, uh, I, you can't say it's an instrumental because it has a kind of a wordless vocal from Brian, written just by Brian, and it's two minutes and 24 seconds long. So none of these songs are very long. And I, I'm going to get into side two here. 
Side two opens with Annalie, Annalie, actually, Annalie the Healer, written by Mike and Brian, one minute, 51 seconds. Little Bird, and I'm going to, these, these next two songs are really special because this was Dennis Wilson coming to the forefront. This is another thing. A lot of, a lot of Beach Boy fans like will say, oh yeah, I know the Friends album. I know Little Bird and Be Still. It's Dennis Wilson with Steve Kalinich, poet, uh, poet and lyricist. Little Bird, two minutes and two seconds long, although initially there was a longer version. Be Still, Dennis and Steven again, a minute and 24 seconds. Same situation. It, there was a longer version. It was cut down. Busy Doing Nothing, which is a like a waltz. It's in 4-4 four, four time. <laughs> we'll get into the music in, in just a little bit. That is Busy Doing Nothing. is actually the longest song on the album at three minutes and five seconds. And then Diamond Head, which was Brian along with some members of the Wrecking Crew. Lyle Ritz has a writing credit on this. That's three minutes. Oh, that's actually the longest song. I, I, I stand corrected. Three minutes and 39 seconds long. And then the last song on the album, which is very diverse and different from the rest of the music, and you would think that it would not be because it's called Transcendental Meditation. You would think by title, this would almost be the most peaceful song on the album. And it's not. It's hardly. It's, it's a stark contrast to the rest of the material. It's kind of... I don't know if this is the right term, but it's almost like in your face compared to the rest of the, the music. The rest of the music is so peaceful and welcoming and warm. And the song Transcendental Meditation is kind of a, a, a vamp, kind of a, it's, it's stark in, in, its, in, its, in its presentation compared to the rest of the material. We'll be getting into that with Mike and Al. And each of them has a specific perspective on why the song is so different, as, as they are co-writers with Brian on that song. So... I, it's pretty interesting too how they both have different uh, takes on on why the song is the way that it is, and both are in- interesting. And I think they're both right. And so that's pretty cool. We'll get into that. So the Friends album is just over twenty five minutes long, and it flows. It's absolutely a concept album. Absolutely. It's it's a it, the words to the song meant for you as I sit and close my eyes there's peace in my mind and I'm hoping that you find it too and these feelings in my heart I know are meant for you that is a meditative song that is a that is a sit with me let's let's enjoy this experience together and here we go and that and that's what it is it's it's one of the the Beach Boys have always had this kind of special something about their songs, you know, like, they, for example, help me, Rhonda. Well, since she put me down, uh, I think it's a little deuce coupe. Uh, it starts with the word well. There's actually several songs by the Beach Boys that start with the song word, the word well, and it's unique. It's, it's almost like you're sitting with a buddy. Well, let me tell you, that type of thing. And I think that's part of the charm of the Beach Boys. And... Gosh, this album is really beautiful. It's really special. One of the reasons, this is the last Beach Boys album that Brian Wilson, and you can hear it, you can feel it, poured himself into from beginning to end. This is a really, this is a Brian Wilson project. And I say that because it says by, you know, it's, it's one of those albums credited, you know, produced by the Beach Boys. But here's the thing. 
And this is the storyline that I kind of want to set up for you as we get into this. And it's explained in the spring 2008. If you love or like or, or you found yourself engaged in the Friends album at any given time from beginning to end, you've got to pick up the spring 2018 edition of Endless Summer Quarterly magazine. You've got to. Just go to esquarterly.com. That's E-S-Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-Y.com. And just spring 2018, the cover is the uh, kind of a... Uh, montage kind of friends cover and you'll see it's it's easy to order and it's so you have this is a really interesting part of this story normally it was the beach boys would be on tour and then they would come back into the studio whether brian was using them as the musicians you know guitar drum whatnot like they played a lot of the wild honey material they played quite a bit uh, on the Smiley Smile material. And going back then to 64, they played quite a bit on those albums. It was early 65 when Brian started to really bring in the Wrecking Crew members. See, they, they played on other songs around, you know, around that time. But by Summer Days, Summer Nights, Brian was really using them in Pet Sounds. They were just all over it. Very little involvement from the Beach Boys with the except on Pet Sounds, with the exception of Carl Wilson. Carl was playing guitar on a number of tracks. So the kind of the setup was the Beach Boys would go on tour, they'd come home, and then they would play. If Brian asked them to play, or they would, but they would always be singers. They would always be the ones singing. So they. With this album, Mike Love, and, and we're going to get into that, Mike was not there for the most of these sessions. Mike was in Rishikesh, India with the Beatles, and Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, and Donovan, and actress Mia Farrow, who was, I think, at the time with Frank Sinatra, although he didn't go. That would have been wild. So she was there with her sister Prudence Farrow, and We'll, we actually get into that a little bit here with Mike. So it's it was a fascinating time historically because Mike is a part of this Rishikesh India trip, and he had no idea the Beatles were going to be there. He didn't know that, which which is fascinating. He had no idea. He he also did not know as a teacher training course, and he'll talk about that. So he just was going because he had learned. On December 15th, so let's, here we go. We're going to start the groundwork. I could talk about this all day. I just love this album, and I, and I love everything about it. So the Beach Boys themselves, February through April, kind of early April, are working on the Friends album recording sessions. Mike goes to India from, I think, about mid-February through March. And at the tail end of March, he comes home, walks into the studio... I'm just kind of trying to set this up. He comes back. He goes into the studio, works with Brian in a, in a time frame of about four days, brings Annalie the Healer, meant for you, you know, helps come at Transcendental Meditation, the song Transcendental Meditation with Brian and Al, and Be Here in the Morning. He has a co-writing credit on that. So this is a really, this is a really special album because... Mike comes back, you do not hear a difference in this material. You know, if you listen to any other Beach Boys album, there's a, it doesn't matter what the subject matter is. If we're talking about pet sounds, or if you're talking about um, one of the early car albums, or All Summer Long, or what have you, you could always kind of tell 
if, you know, from one song to the next, when you're listening to the album, you could always kind of tell where the shift was. Like, okay, that song I just heard was definitely Brian Wilson. Okay, now this song, oh, oh yeah, I, without looking at the album credits, I can tell that this is probably a Mike Lyric, that type of thing. You know, you could hear the shift. You could hear the creative shift. Uh, or you could say, well, this is different. I wonder who co-wrote this with Brian. And of course, and after years and years of listening to something, you get that all that stuff, all that minutiae kind of ingrained in your memory, and you you don't you don't forget it but the, that's what's so beautiful about the friends album it doesn't matter who wrote it because mike comes back and you don't know that he's been gone and that speaks to the beach boys collective consciousness they were all meditating it's crazy Brian was already meditating. He had received his mantra. He was practicing transcendental meditation with his first wife, Marilyn. They had got it sometime, uh, she thinks, probably around the fall of 67 because she knows she was pregnant with Carney. Then the Beach Boys play the UNICEF Gala on Friday, December 15th, 1967, at which time they meet Maharishi. He's sitting in the front row watching the show with John Lennon and George Harrison on either side of him. And then after the show, after the event's over, they all fly to London with the exception of Dennis Wilson. Dennis calls Mike, and he probably, we don't know this for sure, so I'm just trying to kind of fill in the blanks here. And he probably called the other members too. But Mike is here to tell us about the phone call. He'll tell us about that in a little bit. So Dennis calls Mike on Saturday, December 16th, 1967. He says, you have to come back to Paris. Maharishi is going to give us mantras and teach us transcendental meditation. Mike says, are you sure? So he'll talk about that. He'll tell you about that phone call. But I want to give you some dates here. So the Beach Boys play the UNICEF Gala. Not, not with Brian. So it's, it's, it's five of them. It's Mike, Dennis, Carl, Al, and Bruce. They play the event. They, they, everyone except Dennis flies to London. Dennis then contacts them. As far as we know, he called Bruce too. I'm not sure. Uh, wasn't able to kind of talk to Bruce about that and coordinate that. Um, and no one's really sure if Bruce ever learned transcendental meditation. Although Mike told me that Bruce maintains that he does or he has learned it, but no one. Bruce has never publicly talked about it. And I and I did reach out to him for that spring edition, and I did not hear back from him. So I was unable to confirm that. So Dennis calls Mike, and I'm assuming he must have called the others, because everybody, so you have Al and his wife Linda, you have Dennis and Carol, you have Mike and Suzanne, and Carl and Annie. They, they're, they're all in Paris. They come back Sunday, they're there Sunday, December 17th, and they learn, they're all given mantras, they learn transcendental meditation. Now, a quick thing about transcendental meditation you don't just get your mantra, then all of a sudden you're good to go. Okay, it's a it's a four day course to 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 get your mantra and complete your course. So they go, they all fly back to Los Angeles to complete. So the Maharishi gives them their mantra, but they're not they haven't completed their courses yet. And this is all covered in the spring 2018 edition of ESQ. They fly back to Los Angeles. And then the rest of the story is told in the magazine. But here, let's get started. <laughs> I love this album. I love this story. It's so cool. It's so cool. Because the music is great. The music is wonderful. It's meditative music. The Beach Boys. This is the Friends. June 1968. This is the Beach Boys meditative album. They were all doing it. 
They were all meditating. And you can hear it in the songs. It's special. It's a special album. It was a special time. Let's get started with Mike. And I do want to note that both Mike, uh, the the connection quality with both Mike, he was uh, sitting in an airport terminal in between flights while on tour. So his reception was spotty on his cell phone. And Al, there's a couple of places where we were, there was a storm, I believe, out there in the Big Sur area. So his connection was kind of cutting in and out as well. So I just want to give you a heads up as we get into this. This is a special album. And whatever we don't cover, remember, whatever it's not covered here is covered in the spring 2018 edition of Endless Summer Quarterly. And that's out online right now at E-S-Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-Y.com, E-S-Quarterly.com. Head on over. You can buy the issue right now. Uh, and I hope that you're inspired to to get into this because this is a fascinating timeline. It's a great album. It's really, truly the last Beach Boys album that Brian Wilson fully invested his time and energy in and oversaw the production. This is a true Brian Wilson album. Okay, it says produced by the Beach Boys, and it really is a group album, but Brian's at the helm. This is his heart and soul. And even though it's a Stop and Smell the Roses album, but and it essentially is, that's what Brian was into. He was having a, you know, he had a daughter born at the tail end of these sessions. Okay, his first child. He was really, and he was meditating. Now, he did give up on it. But during this time, during these sessions, this was an important time in their lives. And here's Mike to talk about how things kind of went right after that UNICEF event. We flew to London on Saturday, and then Dennis called. He had stayed in Paris, and he's, he called and said, Hey, Mike, you got to come back. Mars is going to teach us to meditate. I said, You sure? I said, he checked on it and he called me back and said, yeah, that was it. So okay. uh, <clears throat> the rest of us, I know, uh, flew back. And sure enough, Marge taught us there that Sunday afternoon, which uh, I remember it being the most profound experience, the most deeply relaxing I'd ever felt. And it turns out that you reach a, a whole separate level level of consciousness there's waking dreaming and deep sleep but this is a fourth major state of consciousness which you could call transcendental consciousness and that in, in the, that first experience of it was so profound to me I thought that it was the, it was so simple that anyone could do it and if everyone did it it would be an entirely different world so right from the beginning I first first experience of it I thought wow this is really Really, something really great. So then we, we, you know, as you know, uh, you have a first day checking, third day checking like that, second day checking, uh, check checkings falling, falling, falling up. But we, our checking was followed up in L.A. When we got back to L.A., there was a guy named Charles Charlie Lutz or Charles Lutz and his wife Helen Lutz, L-U-T-E-S. They ran what they called spiritual regeneration movement foundation which is for the adults and there was a students international meditation society run by jerry jarvis who accompanied marishi to uh, uh to new york and to boston also where i i went the other guys in the group left new york and went back home but 
I went to Boston because Maharishi went up there to give a, a lecture at the law, Harvard Law Forum. It was a, quite a prestigious venue, uh, very old because it's Harvard. And Jerry Jarvis introduced Maharishi, and Maharishi stepped out to the podium, and the whole place rose up in silence. It was uh, it really blew my mind because it was as if it was a standing ovation in silence, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. which is unusual. And I, I sat right right next to um, you know right close by Mia Farrell, mm-hmm. who then went from Boston along with her sister Prudence to um, to New Delhi and then to Rishikesh, which is up in the mountains where the Ganges comes out of the Himalayas, and um, to, to what was a TM teacher training course in Rishikesh. I didn't. I was so new to meditation, I didn't understand that it was uh, a teacher training course. But I was invited by Maharishi the night of the um, the lecture in Boston, well, at Cambridge. Um, I called to talk to somebody with Maharishi, and he answered the phone. And I said, who's this? And he says, this, this is Maharishi. And I said, and he said, are you coming to India? And he said, you should come to India. Bring bring, bring your friends. And and I said, well, I don't know if they'll come, but, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'll be there. <laughs> I probably was there a week after the course started, but I, I finally got there and was given a room in the same little um, uh, section of the the retreat for the ashram, McCartney was one was on one end. I was on the other end, and, and uh, Prudence Sparrow was in the middle somewhere. You know, and of course Prudence is, is famous because of John Lennon writing that song about her, because she really, Marshy at that time didn't say meditate for 20 minutes. He said meditate for as long as you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I, the longest I probably meditated was eight hours or something. But <laughs> Prudence was... meditated for for two or three days. She didn't come out of her room. They, they actually went and got her. Back to Eng- England, was, but it was definitely 
when I was in, back in New York, when we were at the Plaza Hotel, I would go out to the the, the, uh, the village and listen to music. I, I remember seeing the young rascals there, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I would be out till three, four in the morning. I'd come back, I'd take a shower, I'd meditate, to, you know, and, um, and I thought, wow, this is really great. I could go out and stay up all night and, and meditate for a while and, and feel great. So I thought on a practical level, it gave you some energy and clarity and, and uh, when you'd otherwise be really, you know, just dragging uh, from staying up all night, I, I felt pretty darn good, actually. Uh-huh. And then there'd be lectures by Maharishi during the afternoon or evening. and that. So it was a really uh, fascinating time, um, you know, within the first month of learning to meditate. Gone from Paris to L.A. to New York to, to be with Maharishi and listen to him lecture and to Boston where he gave his lecture at the law, Harvard Law Firm, which is a really pretty famous lecture. I mean, for the TM circles, who did the, uh, that, that was videoed or, or filmed. Mm-hmm. And then they went on to India, and then I caught up with them about a week later. Yeah. So it was a real, you know, fascinating time. I mean, just so immersed in so much, uh, so many fantastic experiences right in the first month of meditating. Now, here's Al Jardine. Now, Al kind of picks up, and he gives us kind of the West Coast part of the story. While Mike is in Rishikesh, India, and going through the experiences that he just shared, Al's back on the coast, beginning work on the Friends album. Now, the kind of the first question I posed to, to Al was about the group as a, as a meditative whole, kind of a unity consciousness working on this album, because that's how it sounds. And he started, I asked him kind of about where Brian was with meditation and how it affected the album. Here's what I'll have to say. Well, by, by the time Friends rolled around, I think Brian, I don't think Brian was meditating anymore, but maybe, maybe he did the show meditating in the, in the photo. I do, I do have a photo of him in 1968 meditating. Yeah, because it, it, it uh, unfortunately it didn't work for him, but he, uh, you know, he was always encouraged to do it, you know, when, especially when we were all doing it. You know, he probably, you know, wanted to, you know, give it, give it as much as he could. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he has, you know, other issues that that don't uh, aren't compatible. Let's put it that way. At the time, we didn't realize, you know, what he was going through. It was frankly, it was Brian. He, he was the first one to start. You know, he, he did. He he got there way ahead of us. Uh, he was always searching for you know the truth. You know, and 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 uh, and I'm glad that that you know he was you know at least a good messenger. You know, he was kind of a a messenger. He was always getting. He was always doing things on. Uh, he was on the cutting edge of uh, of that life. You know, with uh, with his mom and her friend. Uh, Janelle, Janelle Valentero was her name. She was a psychic as well. But I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember that particular uh, time very well. Other than we were always in, we were in Brian's living room. He had an upright piano in the living room. We, we wrote a lot of the songs there mm-hmm. in the in the, um, in the living room where the wild honey glass window is. I mean, uh, stained glass window. Yeah, and you know it was a nice, really mellow time. And uh, just being around that living room all the time, you know, just it was a very relaxed 
and uh, a cozy feeling, you know, mm -hmm. and meditative, very meditative, you know.
listening to Good Vibrations with David Beard. That song's a little bit of a surprise. I really wanted to include it in this episode because it's so special. From 1972, that's Charles Lloyd's TM from his Waves album. And what's unique about that to Beach Boy fans is Mike, Al, Carl Wilson, and Billy Hinchy sing background vocals. And those vocals, similar to what they did a couple of years later on the Chicago's Wishing You Were Here, those vocals just make the song better, don't they? I mean, they just kind of whisper right through, and they're like this wonderful pillow of sound, and just make it better. And it's just a great song. It's just a great song. I've got another track from the Waves album coming up in just a little bit that I hope you'll enjoy. But we're going to get back to Mike telling us what was next in kind of this storyline of the Friends album. Upon his return from Rishikesh, India, and getting involved in the Friends album sessions. Here's Mike. But when I did, when I got back, that's when I, you know, introduced the concept of the song uh, Annalie the Healer. This is a German lady who was on the course in India who had these special healing hands. And, uh, you know, if you had some ache or pain somewhere, she, she could actually, it's kind of like Reiki, which is... Uh, pretty well-known these days in healing circles, but um, she would she would put her hands on you. And she subsequently came to the U.S. and visited and stuff. was in Santa Barbara at my place. So, yeah, that was Annalie the Healer. Annalie, Annalie the Healer From a Himalayan mountain side up in Michigan. Meant for you is definitely meditation oriented. Absolutely. It's easy. You close your eyes and you go within. And, um, yeah. You know, sit and close my eyes. There's peace in my mind. And I'm hoping that you find it too. These feelings in my heart are meant, I know are meant for you. It's absolutely. It's just a little snippet of a song. You know, I've often thought I'd like to extend it and write another version or so on yeah. and add to it because it's a really great little melody and a really sweet intention as I sit and close my eyes there's peace in my mind and I'm hoping that you'll find it too and these feelings in my heart I know Your actions are going to be more supported by nature. 
you're not gonna you know just be bounced around by the the karma of things quite as badly as if you're transcending and meditating and then going in activity and supported by nature mm-hmm. um hey avoid the suffering before it's come Save the world from sin, saying, Seek ye first the kingdom within. Maharishi teaches us to meditate, to dive deep within, come out and radiate. All of the saints through all creation sing the same song of revelation. That's from 1972. That snippet's from 1972, Carl and the Passions album. So tough. And I wanted to, Mike was touching on those lyrics in that song, He Come Down. And I wanted to include it. And that's the reason I also included 1972's TM from Charles Lloyd's Wave album. It's 1972 was the year that both Mike and Al became Transcendental Meditation teachers. It's no coincidence that this music, this style of music, the practice of meditation, found its way back into the music of the Beach Boys. Now here's Al talking about the benefits of meditation and how it affects his life and his perspective on it. It's more about uh, uh, contacting the inner, you know, right. that inner core of your, of, your, of your nervous system. It's really more scientific if you want to know the truth. That's how I feel about it. That's 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 that's, that's been my experience. Yeah, yeah, because you know, you yeah. know what I'm talking about now. Yeah. So it's funny, you know. I've forgotten now that that you're you're a you're a new you know a med a TMer. Yeah. And and it's it's really valuable. I mean, geez, the people I knew how valuable it was. Jeez, I mean, I can even tell by talking to you, you know, how, how you've changed just in the tone of your voice. You're contacting a a, a place that you don't often visit. Most of us. In our lifetimes, we don't visit the transcendent mm-hmm. nature, right, right. Of, of our minds. And it's so simple when you think about it. I just drop into a chair. I mean, I'm forced to. There's any, there's no equivocation. I mean, because you know, you got to get, you got to get in touch with it. You know, mm-hmm. you got to, you just got to die. You got to go for a, a serious. And then when I do, every time I do, I'm grateful because even though I thought I was too busy or I wanted to have a cup of coffee, you know, or I wanted to do about a million other things it just uh it just kind of reorganizes your calendar mm-hmm. your internal calendar it's just it's it's really it's really amazing isn't it it is and uh it it's uh <laughs> it's so simple mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but and, and even if even if you don't have a mantra quote mantra you know it's mm-hmm. that there's a stigma about that you know just find a quiet moment for yourself just find a nice place to sit and be quiet. Just be alone with your own thoughts. Yes. You know? Yes. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. But oh, it's, I think because you have the mantra, it's the key. It does. It enables you to to automatically go there. It's, uh, yeah, it's an anchor. You need a lot of the, the cumbersome parts, you know? Yeah. yeah it, it's the vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 that's why it works yeah. for me. But I, I, so when I say if you don't have one, I really don't know what it's like if I don't have one. Yeah. But yeah. But I think anyone who can go to a quiet place, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just slow down. Ways to get, you know, I'm sure there's different ways, but this is the only way I know. And now in closing, Mike and Al are going to talk about the last track on the Friends album. Again, remember, this was written by Mike, Brian, and Al together. It's all of one minute and 51 seconds long, 
and it's quite diverse from the rest of the Friends' music. The rest of the Friends' album, for the most part, is very general, very introspective, kind of stop-and-smell-the-roses stuff. And this song, although titled Transcendental Meditation and about the practice of Transcendental Meditation, is very stark from the rest of the material. And here are Mike and Al to tell you their perception as to why that is. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it, it was pretty dynamic, you know? Mm-hmm. Pretty dynamic. And uh, it's just, just the way it came together, I guess. And, you know, in a way, you know, meditation is, is very, uh, is what it is. And it's, met, it's pretty peaceful practice, obviously. But it also, it's a preparation for activity, and sometimes your activity is very dynamic. And, that's, and I think sometimes music is dynamic. So it's going to like be the counterbalance to all the serene, peaceful thoughts. Here's a dynamic, you know, aspect of the Marish calls it the outer stroke. There's the inner stroke of transcending, and then there's the outer stroke of activity. Mm-hmm. So I think it goes. It's more like an outer stroke type song, right? Yeah, yeah. More, more dynamic and, and and powerful in a way. Yeah, it's it's dark, is what it is. I see it as kind of a, a expression of frustration from Brian that it's not working for him, and he's gone. And it's his anger. I think it's like sounds like the, the, the anguish or anger that. Why isn't it working for me? I, I, all these guys are doing it and, and they're enjoying it, and here I am struggling to to make it happen for my for myself. I'm the one that needs inner peace, you know. And I, it's kind of sad in a way. But yeah. It's like a a mockery of in a way, but it's not meant to be that way. I don't think. But it's an amazing piece of music, though. I mean, those the those chords. Holy crap! <laughs> it's like. And now to close off the show, we're going to, and I haven't played a lot of material from the Friends album, and and, uh, and that's mainly because I want you to explore it yourself. I, I encourage you to listen to the album as, a, for lack of better terminology, a meditative whole, okay? And if you look at it from what Mike just said about the song Transcendental Meditation, that once the album ends and the song Transcendental Meditation is so stark and different and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's that outer stroke, you can think of it as, okay, the album's ending, now back to my day. And I thought Al's perspective was equally interesting, uh, that Transcendental Meditation did not work for Brian. Uh, that's a whole other discussion right there. It's... Um, it's uh, and and we know it didn't work out for Brian. And interestingly enough, Al and Mike did become teachers in 1972. But Dennis, Mike has said Dennis uh, practiced meditation for many years. This is a pretty cool picture of the Beach Boys from the early 70s. It's Mike, Al, uh, Dennis, and Carl sitting in a field, um, meditating together. That's a pretty cool picture. Uh, and I and I he, Mike Mike told me not too long ago where it was taken. It was it was in the early seventies, I know, and it's when they were on tour with Crosby, Stills and Nash. But I can't quite remember where he told me it was. But it's a cool picture. It's just the four of them just sitting there meditating. So they did continue meditation, and it was just I think just like the Beatles, 
similarly, they were just trying to kind of uh, find inner peace, uh, kind of a, a higher understanding of the natural law of things, and to just be better people. You know, for the most part, that's a, that's a good pursuit. And uh, so that's how we're going to kind of end things here. Mike is going to tell us a little bit more about just the practice of transcendental meditation in general, what it's done for his life, you know, his perspective on it, kind of like Al did a little bit ago. And we're going to close off the show today with the, as I mentioned that I was going to play another track from Charles Lloyd's 1972 Waves album. And this is actually the last track. It's just six songs on that album. We're listed as six songs. And this song, or it's actually kind of a trilogy, starts with Hummingbird, and then in the middle is the song Rishikesh. And it's cool, because Mike recites the poem that he wrote while in Rishikesh, India, between February and March of 1968, when he was there with the Beatles and Donovan and Mia Farrell. So this is an actual original, this is in 1972, so this is six years after the fact that he does this on the Waves album. And then, so it's Hummingbird, Mike reciting the poem Rishikesh with some music underneath. And then the final piece is called Seagull. So I hope you enjoy this. First, Mike talking about Transcendental Meditation. And then we're going to end it off with Charles Lloyd's Hummingbird, Rishikesh, and Seagull from his 1972 Waves album. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, if you like the Friends album and you don't subscribe to Endless Summer Quarterly Magazine, head over to esquarterly.com, that's E-S-Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-Y.com, and pick up the spring 2018 edition of the magazine. You'll be glad you did. If you like the Beach Boys, if you like the Friends album, I promise it tells a story that reveals much more than I've even touched on in this episode, much more. And uh, Mike was Mike and uh, Bruce said it's one of the best issues of ESQ he's ever read, and, and Mike was very complimentary at the depth of research and the uh, chronological timeline that I was able to put together after uh, interviewing Mike, Brian's first wife, Marilyn, uh, Alan Boyd, Mark Lynette, poet and lyricist Stephen Kalinich, who co-wrote Little Bird and Be Still with Dennis, it's, te- it's a very, very fascinating and interesting timeline. And there's a lot of information that I found out as I went to piece it all together that just was not uh, previously told in any Beach Boys publication or book that's ever been published before. So check it out. Thanks for tuning in. And here's Mike Love. Well, I think Maharishi's meditation, not only meditation, but the Ayurvedic knowledge about Ayurveda and the health, uh, programs that are available that all come from the Vedas, all come from that culture, uh, that are brilliant. Um, it, it, sharing meditation with the world, I'm, I'm, I'm old enough now and I've been at it long enough to realize that not everybody's going to gravitate towards it. However, many do. And once they do, their lives are improved. Their health is improved. The way they feel about themselves and about life and about other people is enhanced. It's a it's an evolutionary step that an individual can take and benefit by it enormously. They, their families, their societies, and everything. Maharishi has formulas for world peace, which involved group meditation practices, group 
like a, like a thousand people meditating is not like a thousand individual meditations. It's like an exponential. It's like a thousand times a thousand, which is, I don't know how many millions, but a lot. <laughs> we did a, there was a course in 1983 over Christmas called The Taste of Utopia. They had over 7,000 people meditating it, it, in, in Fairfield, Iowa at Maharishi International University. And that was the equivalent, they say, to 4,900,000,000 people meditating. So it, so many great things happened during that time. Um, so many incredibly positive things happened in society uh, during that time. Um, it's, um, so rather than go into detail on that part, though, um, I just would say that meditation, GM, the TM City program, the group, the group dynamics of, uh, of meditation, when, when groups practice it, there's a super radiance that takes place. It transcends boundaries and ethnic groups and just any, it just, it just does. It, it, coming from such a deep level of the self that's connected to, you know, creation itself and the the power of operating from that level is is, is incredible. Mm. In fact, I, I notice when I meditate and I'm not so tired and I bail to meditate and I come out in a clear and everything, the audience response is better than if I'm tired. Mm-hmm. So I, when, I, when I'm on tour, I will close myself in my room and I'll meditate extra, I'll maybe sleep a little bit too, and so because I know by practice, um, by experience, the, the clearer I am and the, it, the, the better audience response it will be, which is pretty amazing, you know, when you think about it, uh, because you have the power to affect um, not only your own life, but the life of your family, your community, and, and the world itself at large. So, as far as what am I most proud of? I'm not proud in a in an egotistical or arrogant way, but I'm happy that I've been able to learn a technique that can be shared by people. And I think that there's still hope that one day there'll be enough people um, practicing it to to create a, a literally peace on earth. It's very satisfying to be able to be a proponent of something that can do no harm to anyone, can only do good for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Do, do harm to anyone, and only do good to everyone. I think that's a good slogan right there. Okay. Good way to finish yeah. it. Yeah.
in the air above the Ganges, a hundred and fifty down miles from the source of the Holy Mother River, Indian spiritual water, ripples seen a hundred feet below are shining in the sun, reflecting through the eyes of one who feels as though he'd been there, or nearly so, a long, long time ago, before the nations rose and beat each other down, until the last in which we stand, from which We've fallen. Feel the need to find the key misplaced through lost time that will swing the rusted doors of a world of living ruin toward the light of nirvana. The key is found. It is at hand. Thank you.